Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Colombia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 404 of the Columbia Calling podcast. Last week's episode, uh, well, it drew in some questions. We were talking about the Usemi missionaries up in the Sierra Nevada amongst the Kogi people. A new documentary called Las Señoritas will be out hopefully in 2023. Of course, it's an unknown history, and that's what we've been trying to do a little bit here on the Colombian uh, Calling Podcast. Tell stories, lesser known stories about Colombia, you know, reveal something else. I am also very grateful to the people that signed up on Kofi, that's ko-fi.com, uh, to sponsor us there. And of course, the two of you on Patreon who have increased their pledges. So thank you again to those of you. You know who you are. And uh, very nice to receive an email through the Casa Maria, that's my hotel in Montpós. Very nice to receive an email through that uh, website from an author, an Irish author, spending some time in, in Montpós as well, who had read some of our book. That's the book I wrote with or edited with Vicky Kellerway and Caroline Doherty de Novoa called Was Gabo an Irishman? It seems that that book drew him to Montpós. So that was very exciting too. Uh, this is a shout out here. My wife and I will be making or hopefully putting together a publishing house here in Colombia, the mission or vision is to, well, we're looking to, we're seeking out new authors, English language authors, fiction, non-fiction, but with a connection to Colombia. So this is a call. At some point soon, we'll have a website up, but this is a call for you guys out there. So new authors with a connection to Colombia, English language, fiction or non-fiction. You can write to us directly at this moment at Columbia Calling at gmail.com of course on twitter as well and then we can uh, start the conversation because the idea is to launch at some point in early 2022 so that's my uh, exciting news for this next uh, for this next period um but we'll see how it goes and of course what kind of um submissions what kind of pitches we receive uh, of course it's indie publishing so Costs are hopefully low. Um, unfortunately, I think uh, uh, economic generation will be low as well. But equally so, most authors, a lot of authors out there want to see their works in print. I speak from my own experience. Uh, so get in touch anyway. Uh, this week's very special guest is Nadia Ortiz. I'm, I'm particularly proud and pleased with this episode. Nadia is the first woman 
Grandmaster. That's the first woman chess grandmaster from Colombia. And it's chess that has been the conduit for change in her life. It got her from Ibagué to Texas, and now she's in California. And you'll have to tune in to the rest of the podcast to find out how it all happened and what's going on. Uh, Nadia, of course, is a political junkie, and we talked about so many different things, and they're quite exciting. And just a hat tip out there is that she really, really enjoys Maria Jimena Dusan's podcast. So, you know, it's a good debate podcast about news in Colombia. So, Maria Jimena, if you're uh, listening, she, you have a grand, chess grandmaster in the US listening to your podcast religiously. So, anyway, I'll leave you now in the capable hands of Emily Hart, who will give you the newscast, Colombia's news report. Remember that you can subscribe to us on patreon.com forward slash Columbia calling for as little as $2 a month. We are going to change that. It will increase to $5 a month uh, because, you know, the work that's being put in is exceeding uh, our expectations. And of course, the podcast is growing. And of course, on ko-fi.com, ko-fi forward slash Columbia calling dot com as well. So thank you again. Episode 404. Don't go away. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories from Columbia for the week of November 29th, 2021. Last Thursday, Columbia marked five years since the signing of the historic peace deal with Guerrilla Group, the FARC, a set of accords which ended half a century of civil conflict. Numerous state celebrations were held with top international officials and a light was shone on the ongoing debate about the success of the peace process so far. Though more than 14,000 FARC combatants have laid down arms, nearly 300 of those have been assassinated since the peace deal, with an additional 69 attempted murders and 25 disappearances. According to the latest report by the Kroc Institute, Tasked with evaluating the implementation of this framework, by the end of 2020, less than a third of the 578 points of the agreement had been implemented. The White House confirmed last week that the FARC would finally be removed from the USA's list of terrorist organisations, further removing restrictions on funding for programmes involving former combatants. Dissident FARC groups are, however, to be added to that list. Jennifer Arias, Speaker of the House of Representatives and representative of the ruling party, the Centro Democratico, has been found to have committed plagiarism in her master's thesis. Her university is taking steps to annul her degree and is sending evidence to the Supreme Court of Justice. The Supreme Court has already summoned Arias to testify in mid-December over the alleged copyright infringement. More than 100 people suffered serious eye injuries during the National Pado protests from earlier this year, most of whom were injured intentionally by state security forces like the ESMAD riot police. In 28 of these incidents, victims lost at least one eyeball or vision in one or both eyes due to the police wielding batons or firing riot control weapons at eye level, according to a new report by Amnesty International and local groups. Ocular injuries are becoming a regional pattern during demonstrations. In the 2019-2020 protests in Chile, 460 people suffered eye injuries, primarily from police tear gas canisters and rubber bullets, with evidence that those weapons were being used with the explicit intention of damaging protesters' eyes. 
Meanwhile, a key reform which would transfer the management of the police from the Ministry of Defence to the Ministry of Justice has passed its first debate in the House of Representatives. To separate police function and tactics from those of the military has been seen by many as a key reform in the wake of the state violence against protesters earlier this year. President Ivan Duque's own proposal for reform did not include this structural change. The National Strike Committee, the group behind this year's mass protests, organised renewed demonstrations last week on the UN's International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, with mobilisations countrywide to reject gender-based violence, commemorate the peace deal and call for an end to ongoing violence in Colombia. Up to October of this year, 99,000 women were victims of some kind of violence in Colombia, of whom 24,000 were victims of intimate partner violence, 9,000 of domestic violence and 16,000 of sexual crimes. So far this year, 797 women have been murdered in Colombia, 88 more than in the whole of 2020. 525 of those murders were classed as femicides. On that day, the Conservative Party's presidential candidate, David Barguil, launched a campaign called If They Hit One, They Hit Them All, publishing images of important women in politics in the country and in the world, with bruises and cuts photoshopped on to their faces. The women included Claudia López and Maria Fernanda Cabal, as well as international figures like Angela Merkel and Michelle Obama. Criticism arose as soon as the campaign came out, and Vice President Marta Lucia Ramírez asked for her image to be removed. He had to delete the photos and apologise to the women involved whose images he had used and altered without consent. This month, Colombia introduces its first menstrual subsidy through Confama in Antioquia, offering discounted menstrual products and educational resources. 14 out of every 100 Colombian women in urban areas of the country do not have the resources to manage their menstruation. The subsidy offers income-calculated discount on tampons and pads, but also on sustainable menstrual products like absorbent underwear and silicon cups. Colombia was the first country in the region to eliminate VAT tax on tampons and pads back in 2018. However, only 9 out of 31 countries in Latin America and the Caribbean consider menstrual products to be essential commodities. And amid fears of a new variant of COVID-19, changes to US monetary policy and the global container crisis, the dollar has climbed to over 4,000 Colombian pesos this week, a figure not recorded since March 2020, the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. New daily cases of coronavirus in Colombia remain at an average of 2,500. 72% of the country has now had one dose of vaccine, 48% are fully vaccinated. As Europe begins to impose strict measures to combat the new Omicron variant, the the President has said that those arriving from the Africa region will have to isolate upon arrival. The Colombian Ministry of Health has confirmed that the Delta strain is now the predominant strain in the country, accounting for around 80% of cases. Gradual implementation of the plan to demand vaccine cards in order to enter establishment has faced some issues, with the online platform where certificates are being hosted, as well as some clients becoming aggressive when asked for their certificates. 
Bars and clubs have reported up to 50% drops in sales and are requesting that the government postpone the implementation and address the technological issues. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next Monday. And we're back. This is Colombia Calling, episode 404. And we're in Bogota in the torrential rain. And my very special guest, Nadia Ortiz, is in, well, I suppose it's just a much nicer place to be right now, San Francisco. Welcome on the Colombia Calling podcast. Hello, and thanks for having me. Uh, This is true. San Francisco, California, maybe a little bit sunnier than bogota right now oh yeah well you know my most stable home in my whole life although i'm english is in san diego so i actually Uh, know california very well indeed and i'm I'm very fond of california Uh, but you are originally from ibagi ibagi tolima different yeah and i was going i was going to say i have the sunny here but you have the warm of the people Ah, that is nice. So I am very proud from my city. It's called Ibagué, um, uh, Ibagué Tolima, and uh, I always play from from you know my state. All my family lives there, and um, yeah, it's. Uh, I always say that uh, I love it coming from that small town, and and I, I if I go back to Colombia, who knows? Uh, definitely, that would be the place. But oh, well, of course. I mean, it's your hometown. These things are these they stick to you, don't they? But you've got a story, Nadia. Uh, first and foremost, your name is spelt because your dad was a big fan of Nadia Komenesky, the Romanian. Romanian yeah, uh, so I think gymnast. many women, many women in the many girls in the nineteen eighty six were called Nadia Comaneci, Nadia because of Nadia Comaneci. It was the yeah. first time. This gymnastic got a ten in the Olympics, right? Yeah. Uh, so she got a. She is. Uh, yeah. Many many families were like, "Well, I want my daughter." To be. <laughs> and one of them was my dad and my mom. So uh, my dad has always been kind of in the sport with chess. So he he named he was the one who who uh, selected Nadia. Yeah, it was cool. But of course, you didn't pursue gymnastics. It's been chess. Now, you'll correct me if I'm wrong on anything. Are you the first woman grandmaster from Colombia? That's correct. There's no another one, right? Is there? There's one. Yeah, Yeah. there is another one. I always said that I wanted to be the first one, but not the only one. And I right now want to encourage, you know, or trying to help more women to get to the title. But I did want it to be that first one. So that was it. In an incredible, incredible uh, achievement. But, okay, so this is chess, grandmaster. I don't know very much about chess. I I do know how to play. I would not even dare to try and, you know, even talk to you properly about chess because I'm actually a little bit terrified. But um, tell me, what what does it mean to be a grandmaster? Uh, I make the analogy with academia, but a lot of people understand academia, right? So it's when you go to academia, you have your, you know, your associates, and then you have your undergrad, and then you have your your grad school, and then you have your PhD and mm-hmm. postdoc. And all that. So that's kind of what the title means: is is reaching uh, the highest level that could be possible in the career, in the chess career. Yeah. So grandmaster for. 
uh, in chess and you know it's controversial nowadays and it's always like why they separate titles for women why they separate for men but the highest ti- title for um in chess for men is a grandmaster mm-hmm. for women is woman grandmaster but the which is uh, less in terms of a right um ranking mm-hmm. compared to the grandmaster for men and the woman can achieve woman grandmaster and go to the whole line of the men but for me it was um I wanted to be Grandmaster for Colombia, the first one, make the name of, you know, we need to put voices out there that Colombia is more than, you know, the image that we have for so many years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted that. and uh, But I'm also passionate about learning and studying. So I knew I would go through the career path too. But uh, chess changed my life, thanks mm-hmm. to chess. I grew up in Colombia. Um, I don't know. Well, you've been you living in Colombia. You know about the Stratos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up in uh, Strato Uno, which is, you know, a very low-income family area in Ibagué, but very rich family with regards of values and, you know, being connected as a family. So, um, and it gave me another perspective of life. So, so just helped me to that. And I was like, well, then I'm, this is, I think, I think, no, my dad, for sure, is very competitive. So, so I want to be the first grandmaster, uh, but not the, but not the only. So, so yeah. So this is uh, this is something we need to talk about because a lot of my listeners, I mean, they've been with me for many years now, but a lot live overseas, and the most of them live in the U.S. Uh, we get more than ten thousand a month in the U.S. and they might not know what this stratification of sort of like social yes. classes is. And, you know, I live in strato four, but mm-hmm. it should be strato five. But because politicians built my building, uh, they got it a lower strato because they wanted the benefits. So anywhere you live in Colombia is, is stratified. There's a stratification of your class. So it ends up being your where you live, how you work, and what you end up paying, right, in, in water. Right. Now, when I first moved to Bogota, I lived in Strato 1 because I lived in the Candelaria because of a historic district. I would get phone calls from insurance agents offering me, you know, insurance in case of a wrongful death of less than a million pesos. And that sort of came to show, and my gas bill would come to less than a thousand pesos a month. So you sort of see, and now I'm paying. That was, yeah. Yeah, and actually that was the idea to put the stratification with the goal that the higher class will subsidize the lower class. Mm-hmm. What is really bad, and I talk about this in another interview I have not too long ago, is we are probably one of the first countries that they put numbers. Mm. So, like in, in US, it's the same, right? Like you have lower, ca- you know, lower income, and it depends where you go. Blah, blah, blah. But in Colombia, they put you numbers, and psychologically, that's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really messed up, right? Like you, if you, uh, like I grew up in that such a low income that even nowadays I realize how, you know, I have this kind of number given to your area, and by unconscious you feel kind of less than right um but which is different in other countries where it's just you know low income middle class high class and divided by neighborhoods mm. i find it i find it quite difficult and i i'm always i'm always sure not to ask anyone where they live 
because that can be a, a signal that I'm trying to find out what what a strato. Yeah. Uh, and I was, that, right? yeah, so, so I won't ask, you know, yes. and I don't like it as well. I was in Barranquilla, which of course has, you know, it has everything as well, buying some furniture some years ago. And of course, the ladies who were upper class who were selling, so Strato 6 were selling me the furniture imported and so on. They, they wanted to know which was my car. And now That's I cool. thought it was about whether I could fit the furniture in my car, being also naive to this. No, but no it was about, no. was it a European car? Was it the latest model? Was it this? And so I was like, it slips and sneaks into every facet of life. You know, there's, it's, uh, the, I mean, now this is different because we signed treatments with US and, and then nowadays, to be honest, uh, middle-class or low-income class can get a car. That didn't happen not too long ago, where you have a car, it was almost like it means you're already from another mm -hmm. start, another class, right? So the question if you have car, don't have car, I already put you in a big difference. Uh, there is something that I almost hated in the US when they asked, which school do you go? Uh, because it's the same kind of idea. It's like, did you go to these AV schools or did you go to the, sorry, IB League schools? Or uh, in Colombia, sadly, Classism is 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 horrible, and um, I, sadly, I had the experience that you know people treated me as if I was not part of that kind of um, group. Um, but you know, it's 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 part of the part of the classism, and and it's part where that's what I think. Uh, the other day I sent an interview, I have the, I feel like an obligation to, to give back because if we have to really break these patterns, right. That we have to create disruptive ideas where, I mean, you see it in Europe, right? Like it doesn't really matter which school you go because it's free education. It's like, maybe, maybe of course you got, you know, maybe a very fancy university or something, but really what matters is, uh, I think in Colombia, the same, it doesn't matter how you look or, where you live is, you know, what you are uh, studying or getting into into this world. So, I mean, this is obviously something you know we've we've hit home straight away, and it's something that you know I, I you know I'm from London, and England is a very classless society. Uh still to this day I and mean, just look at our government and <laughs> um and i benefited yeah. from very you know a prestigious uh, education but over time you you know you accept other things and you take on other things and you meet other people and you become more uh i would say you, you get to show a certain degree of humility and understanding and you know as you say we're all people and the the general rights uh, and and here it is so marked though i mean when we when we look at the the class system and you say your strato one uh if you could you describe a little i mean because you're what i was looking up when i was doing my research is you were taught you begged to be taught chess is what it said at aged four and your dad taught you it's i was very little the thing is i mean I got the fortune to have parents who work really hard. So uh, mm -hmm. even though there are people from Strato 1 who really don't have anything, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a difference between Strato 1 city and Strato 1 rural areas, right? Yes. That's a huge difference. It's like, it's a whole new world. So I, I grew up 
uh, with poverty, but not extreme poverty, mm-hmm. which is a difference. And as you know, many people in Colombia grow with extreme poverty. However, as poor become an opportunity, right? Um, and I think that's how my my parents were, I, especially my dad. He's been very into sports, and he has kind of the same, um, you know, grew up in a very low income area. So he he played chess all the time, and uh, I was the, you know, when you're dad, I don't know, you have kids, but. You know, the kid is like a copy of whatever dad and mom is doing. So he wants, he or she wants to do the same. So, but I feel like I do love the game since I was little. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was four or five, but for sure at six, I start like learning more serious. And then at 10, I have my first competition. Uh, but it's something that even nowadays I don't play competitive, mm-hmm. but I still watch, study and, you know, I want to know more about you. So it's something that I, I do love it, which is, I think that made the difference um, with other kids. Yeah, I, I, so I, but I have a curiosity because, of course, uh, you know, you, your parents are working very hard and your dad has obviously sees sports as an opportunity, like so many people, opportunity mm-hmm. to get out of, of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but how... How did they have time uh, to teach you? Because that's it. You know, you're strato one. You're you know working class. You are working yes. probably the, manual yeah. manual labor or, or so. What did your parents? Yeah. What did your parents do? So so the thing like actually like many of the kids they grew up with your grandmother because the parents as you say they work all yeah. day. So I grew up with my grandmother. Um, I have the privilege that my grandmother was a very is a woman advanced of this of her area because she was always you need to cook you only need to study <laughs> with the difference with my other grandma is like if you want to get married you need to cook so it's it, because it's a stereotype and i don't blame it right like mm-hmm. oh, if you, we grew up in a novella world we, it's, that's the stereotype of the woman but my other grandma was very uh, academic very you belong to the books and and this is since i am like 10 years old mm-hmm. uh, so i have that um it's, it's, it's a little interesting now that I talk with the girls, like 10, 12, you start making them believe uh, that is, there is, you know, you just need someone who believes, right? I had the fortune that my grandmother believes, my parents believe. So my mom was a secretary, um, and she's, she loved also that I played chess as a young age. So, to, you know, my first fans were my parents and my grandmother. Uh, so my mom was a secretary. And my dad was taxi driver, but then he became actually a math teacher from school. Um, but they they work so hard, like many families in Colombia. It's just, um, you know, I hate when people say, well, you just, you know, prove because you want. It's like, come no, on. No, I don't accept that on any level. The whole, the whole season, I mean, in Colombia, you see FIM people outside selling stuff like, they are not lazy. This is the problem with the system. So I, the difference was like, um, I study a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's, and that's one of the qualities that I have even, even nowadays, like um, I put three or four times efforts than, than the rest. I think that's what made the difference because it, I have limited resources, no coaches, also, I'm coming from a state that is not like Bogota or Medellin or mm. Cali, where you have already masters and 
you go training and there are like 10, 15 people. I was going training. There was one person. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was very an outlier. Mm -hmm. But I think what made the difference since I was even young age is um, that I worked really hard. And I think that is given to my parents that, you know, see them working so hard. And my grandmother, too. She said, but you had the, the, the right platform. Uh, yes. You know, as you said, like yes. the, what, the one traditional grandmother who said, no, you need to learn how to cook and iron and clean. But the others, you had three other key people around you saying, you know, work hard. And, you, and it was chess. Chess yeah. has been, and in, you got a scholarship later on to University of Texas, Brownsville, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but just a comment to be fair with my other grandma, who is still alive. I love her. <laughs> no, it's it's just um, it's just to to understand that it's a system, right? Mm -hmm. Like makes you believe that that you know my grandmother, my most of my family, they just finished high school. My grandmother didn't even go to high school, mm -hmm. and it's a belief that you belong to the camp, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then they give you other kind of teachings, right? Like for example, my other grandma was very academic, but it was. Uh, emotional intelligence below zero. <laughs> so it's, I have, I think I have what you say, the right platform, the right combination. The part of my mom is, is very giving and, and, and I think that does make me grow up as a grounded person, um, which I, I am fortunate. And I, my, I, I, the other day asked me why I do these philanthropic projects. And I do believe it's because my, my grandma was alive. She's very, she doesn't have anything, but she's stand up, go and give food to someone that is walking outside. So even though she was not the academic part, so she was the emotional part. So um, clarifying that. So then I went to Bronx, so Bronzeville, um, I spent four years as a professional chess player. And it's very funny that now everyone understands after Queen's Gambit, now Queen's everyone Gambit, understand yeah. before I have to give a full story. What does it mean now? <laughs> it's super cool. Uh, so at that time happened that I I was like at 20, if I reached my grandmaster title, I, you know, I, I would be happy. If not, I will start studying regardless if I reach it or not. But uh, like this life, everything is timing, the right moment, right people, right person. So it happens that um, the university was looking because they were pressing was a woman. Uh, she's like, I give full scholarships to the chess team, but you have to have at least one woman in the team. Uh, and I think this is what, it, you know, what we call inclusion and diversity. This is what we need to do. put, make room in the table for the communities that they don't have it, right? Um, so thanks to her and, and the coach I met came in Europe when I was professional playing. I got the scholarship. Um, and it was funny because I said, well, I, I would love to, but I don't know English. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So she, uh, they were a believers too. They, they helped me like, well, you can learn English. And yeah, I told them, give me six months, I will pass the exam and let's see how it goes. And that's what we did. So they gave me the opportunity. And, and as I was saying before, I study a lot of chess, but that translates to my life. I study academia three, four times more. And, and, uh, and then, yeah, I was able to pass the exams. 
So you're, but you're a you're a PhD in chess because <laughs> you're yeah. a grandmaster. How how much? And you did your undergraduate at, at Brownsville, and then have you studied some more since then? Because yeah, so the thing is, Brownsville was great because this actually doesn't happen too much in Europe, where you have a sport uh, scholarships, right? It's almost I have cared about it, but it's like very rare, like. Uh, but in you is very common, right? Whereas sports, um, what is not common is a chess scholarship. Yeah. That is not common. So I got the full scholarship. So it was great because I wanted to study and I wanted to keep with chess. So, and the only condition, well, there were two conditions. Do you have to keep your GPA high mm-hmm. and you have to play chess? I was like, well, those are the two things I love. So <laughs> what else can I ask? But then um, the university academically, it was very low in rank and then meaning that if I wanted to go in the workforce, um, it, we just needed something else. So I just start taking, I'm so thankful of the MIT classes online that are free or all the universities, the students that give free lessons. Mm-hmm. So I started studying there and that's what I realized, oh, I need to continue studying. <laughs> I am not prepared. And I was lucky enough to get a, another, this was academic scholarship in Purdue University. Mm. So Purdue, then Purdue was way higher in education. and Yeah, it's a good know, university. It's a good university. And I got a full scholarship. Um, and I, I am very grateful with this life. I have great mentors in my life, starting from family. But in the university, at Purdue, my mentor, I, I would say I probably will not have finished without his help of, you know, the same thing, right? I'm coming from this. Just imagine, uh, just to make the comparison, you're coming from this small village and then you're competing with people from Los Andes or La Nacional or it's just, it's not, it's not like you may not have the qualities. It's just, it's just the skills. It's just the environment where you were were not preparing you for going to Andes, right? Or Nacional. So, um, but that's what you need good mentors and some mm-hmm. professors is like, uh, you know, believe in you, you can do it. And so that's what happened. So I got a scholarship to study my master's in computer science and I wasn't sure about PhD. And that, that that's where I started this internship at Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started the internship at Apple and then they wait for me for one year until I finished my master's and then yeah. they had me to return. And then, and then I started working with them since then. So you're That's an Apple great, yeah. now, as I, mm-hmm. I mean. So from Strato One Ibagi, yeah, uh, with everything, I you know, I, I'm I'm sort of noting down some things, especially if we think of it from a Colombian perspective. You're from La Provincia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a woman. Bueno, La Provincia no ciudad ciudad Ibagi ciudad Ibagi uno. Simon Bolivar. Yeah, but you're not you're not from Bogotá or Medellín. Exactly. You know, you know that's, the that's correct. That's, it's what I'm yes. thinking. You're a woman, and then you are your ticket. Let's say hard work and chess. You know, it's not the most popular thing, and so you've. Yes. You, it, it, this is what I'm saying. It's like things are stacked against you, but you're now at Apple in San Francisco and we're chatting and your English is, is better than, I don't know, lots of people I know, uh, some of them English, you know, <laughs> um, I, I find it absolutely incredible this. And as you say, you talk about the system being set up to sort of, it doesn't benefit the most amount of people it possibly could. And when you were talking about 
you know, the whole idea of having a car already put you into a different class. Well, I, I, I did uh, studies on that. Uh, I, I've, I've done my PhD here, but uh, I did some studies on that after 1948 in Bogota and the, the automobilization of Bogota. And, you know, you might have had your office downtown in the 1950s, but you drove out to what was the suburbs in Chapinero, and that put, set you apart immediately from everybody else. And, and that's why part of the reason the tram system didn't go as far, because they wanted to be apart from it. And it's really fascinating. Uh, and I spent, I mean, a lot of time in the coast uh, in a small town uh, called Mompos. And, it, you know, it's a very humble town. It's a very, you know, the, the people there are mainly, I would say, strato one and two. And getting a motorcycle is, is their way out. Hello? Hello, did uh, I, I lost you for a bit there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I don't know if it was you or me. I but think I, it was me. Because I, we're, I lost you a little bit. We're in but, a storm. But, but as I yeah. said, um, but like in the small towns where it's very <laughs> you, humble. You were, you, were, you were just saying something that it really matched to what we are saying about because the system is designed to make all these barriers, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you, you're making a great analogy with the cars and living outside. And this is what happened in regards to not the best education go to the rural areas. Not the best education go out. You know, when all these beautiful projects is Bogota, Medellin, and and Cali, and then so um, so that's where I feel like uh, that's where I you know system comes from politics, and mm -hmm. sadly, you know the ones we have right now, which is a lot of corruption. But it, but it it really has to come from uh, from upper down right like mm -hmm. we have to change these systems um and and there are people who make you know philanthropic projects i am part of one of them but uh, you can make a little difference but the real change comes from something bigger than uh what we were saying i am an outlier that by default is wrong we should have more people more people saying something similar instead of just picking up just one case, this happened. It just showed that uh, we can improve the, the, the overall platform system. And this, is, this is it, isn't it? Uh, you know, and, and forgive me, the, I, I don't have her name written down, but it's like the, the Colombian woman who's working for NASA, who's being yeah. completely... Yeah, Trujillo. She's mm -hmm. from Cali, right? I think. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, uh, the government got out to claim her and say how great this was. But this is a girl who left age 14, who worked, so I don't, however, yeah, how, however many jobs she had to, to put herself through school and had the opportunity. She has been made beyond Colombia. It's not about the situation in, you know, but then I don't know, you get, so I have to ask you, I mean, you are a chess player, so you, you calculate and you can see, 15 moves ahead because I have watched the Queen's Gambit as well, which I enjoyed immensely. And I, later you'll tell me if it's, if it's true or if it's a bit fictional or something else, but you can see the plays and you can see this movement. How do you see it working out then? In the, well, first of all, next year we've got elections here in Colombia. What are your thoughts? Because we're watching the game being played right now. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's, 
so I love politics and uh, even though I'm not involved in it, I do follow them and I uh, watch so many videos and sometimes it's funny that I talk with friends in Colombia and I, I probably am more up to date with that than them. Um, but this is like next year we have to be careful and many, many reports are saying it, right? Like there will be a huge problem with corruption, how the how they're gonna count the votes, right? Mm-hmm. About the, um, so it is I don't know even I don't even know what to say. I I usually follow I'm a big fan of Maria Jimena Dusan. I, mm. I follow her for so many years. Uh, every single now she, she's in podcast, I go to Spotify, she's uh, YouTube, I, I follow her so much. And I have learned a lot from her, uh, uh, from Daniel Coronel, and now this, uh, you know, Los Danieles. And, and these YouTubers that, um, I, I think that's what it makes the change. I mean, I, you know, having all these young people, the streamers that, um, where they, you know, before we used to have Caracol and Arasayane, and that was the end of it, right? Uh, and it, 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 with, uh, you know, nowadays you can see news on your cell phone, there are so many YouTubers. I think that, at least for me, give me a hope that there will be change. Mm. Right? Uh, we saw it with Los uh, Jóvenes de la Primera Línea. You saw kind of two worlds when the news from the big uh, newspaper, and then you see organizations like Temblores or other organized nonprofit organizations that they are there with the news right there, right? Uh, so I, that's what I feel like there's hope. But the problem is, uh, you know, the, see if you want someone go vote, go vote, but if the systems are making, you know, the whole, if the software get, if, you know, getting into the software uh, path or what we're going to do, that's, doesn't matter how many people go and vote if it's going to be corrupted, right? I mean, you saw it too, there was a problem with the, uh, the director of the DN and register, like there are five million more people. Like really, like five, five million is not a tiny error. It's, it's, it's a huge percentage of it. So then you start seeing something that, but at least now, you know, with these great uh, um, reporters, like what happened with Mintai, with this uh, lady, amazing lady from La W, Paola Herrera. Mm. This is, these are the people who are young, who are driven to show the truth. And I, that's what I feel there is hope that uh, uh, I don't know to what, you know, to what extent we are going to have a change of president. But I do see, for example, in the Senate, we may see new faces. And it's similar to what's happened here in in US where after Trump got elected, you get people uh, going to vote for the major going to go from the governor, going to go for the, you know, uh, senators. And I think that's where I am, maybe I'm too naive, but I'm hopeful that next year there will be more people willing to vote and willing to have a change. Yeah, I mean, I what I hope is that we're not just so tired and, uh, you know, jaded by that time because it's a long almost year and a half of of lies and counter lies and and scandals and everything else and just by the time it gets around you're like 
just finish. What we need is a big turnout. You know, we need everybody to register and vote. I love that you mentioned Maria Jimeno Dusan, who I, I actually know her, so I'll tell her. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell Please, her. Uh, tell her my mom and I we're a big fan of I have a I have her books, I have everything. My mom always said. You need, you need to speak to her. I was like, no. <laughs> but please, uh, if you know her, uh, my mom is a big fan. And oh, yeah. I am a huge fan of her. And I, and I know on, on Twitter, her, one of her producers. So we can get you in touch there. <laughs> oh, just to say hi would be nice. But, but I think this is, um, I mean, she's coming from a school where, you know, you know her sister got killed. But, but mm. where even though she's a victim, of all these sadness that we have been surrounded in Colombia, she believes in democracy. She believes in, you know, going for, uh, you know, she's coming from, uh, she's coming from a high class, but that doesn't mean that you can share the pie and then, you know, mm -hmm. give opportunity. And and this is where right now I I feel that we we do think, I, I do think we have more empathy. And mm -hmm. this nonprofit organization, I was very impressed how, they take private universities with public universities and then the volunteers, you know, like lawyers, you know, people who are studying law, there's a volunteer. And that's where the marriage start, you know, that's where we need the change. Um, and, and that's where right now I have a chance in the schools in, in Colombia, or, you know, doing this. And the, the overall goal is to have this foundation. I have like a chess nonprofit because platforms we can start making change right with whatever we do like in your case you're giving voice with your podcast to people who doesn't know outside you know mm -hmm. it's 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 just whatever we can have with the tools we have we can start making the change and and you said it right like we there are so many people that they don't vote and and as i was um i always i went there was a documentary that i presented an app a long time ago how you know, Martin Luther King House, how many people were united at that time? There was no Twitter, there was no Instagram, TikTok, but it was this old school that you bring five people, I bring five people. And so I started, um, and they started with this kind of dynamic in Obama and all of this uh, new, I started telling the people like, in my chat community, like, bring two people at least, don't tell them who you need to vote, just because once you vote, you create awareness that you have a voice that you can make a change. Um, so yeah. That's I like that's very positive indeed. I mean, we're all very worried about next year in Colombia, but if we can get people and if people like yourself, you know, you you your family then will take your advice and they'll talk to their neighbors and they'll and that's how it that's how it changes. But you know, I have an issue again, like I mentioned, but I think we cut out. Is that you know I I have business interest in this town Montpos, a very humble town, and you know I have spoken and I've said this before on the podcast. I I talk to my staff about and my team about their voting and and you know, the ladies who come from as it's known el otro lado de la carretera, so the other side of the and it's a very humble area. They have dirt floors, no running water, and they're like, well, why would I vote? Nothing's going to change yes. for us. And exactly. then also. If they do, they get paid for their vote. Uh, the last uh, time, it was fifty thousand pesos, uh, or even less. Like, yeah. uh, but the, but the thing is, I mean, we change happen. You know, it, it's not. It's something that it takes time, right? Mm -hmm. And and maybe 
and maybe we're not going to be alive to see you know that real change. But I, but I do think just uh, you know the for that community it's really hard, and I have seen them. And it's like, what do you mean change your vote, and then you get nothing? And then and look at what happened with Chocó and Pacific. Such a rich area, and they are the poorest of the well, not the poorest, but one of the poorest in the country. Mm-hmm. And it's because it gets concentrated, right? Uh, but what is start making the changes, you know, if everyone starts voting, right? And then this disruptive ideas or people like you are from different class, and then you have to that's what's the greatest disruptive idea to give back, right? And that's how instead of concentrating on only a few families, then uh but you know, I, I remember Maria Jimenez asking at the interview uh, in the podcast um, uh, the Marquez. Oh gosh, now uh, the name right now. Oof. But well, the question was: the problem is you can have good intention, but how can you do? Because there is too much corruption in mm-hmm. Colombia. Right. So this is where uh, Francia Marquez, I'm so sorry. There's another woman woman that I admire so much. She asked her, you know, how to avoid corruption, right? Because we are surrounded by corruption. Mm -hmm. Um, But we need, you know, I mean, for me, seeing Francia Marquez now be one of the candidates, I know she's in the part historical, but it's just, it gave me hope and Mm -hmm. listen to her story where she's coming from, what a wonderful woman she is. Uh, I, I feel like um, I understand what people say, right to vote, that it doesn't matter. But uh, I always say, I was tell, you know, Martin Luther King would say, where are the protests? They don't go anyways. There was a whole revolution. So mm. uh, I, I really hope that uh, this new generation, we have more empathy and that we, we care. I hope we you should care more about the others and that start making a difference. Uh, Francia Marquez is, is an astounding person. Oh, um, well. I'm, we, uh, there's a few of, we're quite worried, you know, for her well-being in these next few months yeah. uh, because she is, as you, the word you use a lot, is, is she's disruptive, but in a good yeah. way. I mean, yeah. you know, she's changing. And I, and I hope that these elections allow for more of these, these political figures to emerge Maybe, you know, maybe they don't win, but maybe they actually become national political figures. And that means changing the political landscape. Uh, you know, it's not just old, old white Colombian guys, uh, <clears throat> which is what, we, you know, what we see. But also, I mean, that aside, I, I think it's phenomenal. You are so informed and up to date with Colombian politics. I mean, oh, yeah. You are well, more- more than I was, anyone. <laughs> I no, I was so many uh, YouTubers too, and my friends here just told me, "No, let's not talk," because then I get so into. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like um, I, I do love politics, <laughs> and and even though I'm not into it, but I, I feel like I'm amazed also how you have these YouTubers and you get information, and it's just there. Uh, you have to be careful, of course, mm-hmm. that you know where is com- the information is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I I just love how we can get access to information, mm-hmm. which is something. For example, in my case, I have a computer when I was very like eighteen, like very very older. Uh, I used to study chess, waiting for a book to arrive. Now you can see chess online streamers, and I think it's the same with the information. Uh, 
uh, we need it's, it's a kind of double edge, right? Uh, but you have information just there, right? And and I I that's where I think we need to include, you know, the the, the I call it kids, but you know, people in diversity, these young people, where uh, they are the change and. We made a mistake that we're like, let's not talk about politics. No, we have to talk. We have to respect the opinion, and uh, but we need to talk because that's where the change is, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of this YouTubers. Yeah, I love this. It's, everything it comes back to chess. It's chess is the conduit uh, for change for you, and it's, yeah. it's just the most. It's so exciting and uplifting. And I don't know, I think they're going to make a movie about you later on, uh, probably. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but so. it, it was it was really funny that, um, so the chess gambit, uh, yeah, ch- ch- sorry, uh, chess gambit, um, Queen's gambit, gambit finished the Netflix from, the series from Netflix. And then he started getting so many calls. And I'm like, I don't play chess anymore. <laughs> but it's because of the story too, what you mm. said, right? Coming from this and mm. and it's really the American story that you know English now working up all and um but but I do I'm so grateful that my peers that are in chess they give a platform they recognize how hard it is because it is really hard to be a chess player. Um and I really hope we give more opportunity for women. Yeah, well, I hope so. Because, I mean, again, you've had everything against you. And when you say, you said at the very beginning that the, the, the men's grandmaster is higher, like considered yes. higher. Well, I don't understand why that should be. I mean, you're both <laughs> sitting at a table with the pieces. And, you, I mean, the person who, who organizes and who can, you know, uh, strategize and, and read is, is the better person, surely, or the player. I don't know. I mean, I'm just getting into it now. But No, I mean, there's a whole, you know, it's a whole conversation, why it's lower. Uh, but, and there are different perspectives, but mm-hmm. you just think about it. We were allowed to study, um, you know, like go to university, women go to university, and there are countries that women cannot even study, right? Mm-hmm. So just think that we, it's kind of, we start the race, but we start way, you know, like men already have an advantage, right? <laughs> so, so that's one thing that, um, I mean, chess is, is not something extraordinary. It's part of the system where, you know, for women, it's more, you have to study, you have to do this. Men have maybe that privilege, oh, you can spend more years. So, and there are a whole system that it gives this, um, you know, the, you go to, since you are kids, you can play so many tournaments. If you're a girl, you're like, well, did you study? Did you do this? The other one is uh, we don't have a full map of the brain, right? I actually study like computational neuroscience a little bit. I got a scholarship in Suiza about that. It's because it's really interesting uh, how our brain works, right? And it doesn't need to, like, woman is less smart or, or men are smarter in chess. It could be there are some patterns that could be, you know, different. The masters are different, but I know men are grandmasters, and you get it out of the board, and they can barely talk, right? With <laughs> uh, we, we know maybe women is different, but in general, what what it has helped is start bringing more women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need also to keep in mind that I have the fortune to start playing with men since I was little, mm-hmm. and because I was the outlier, kind of in a in a or a small town, you get to study alone and the people who come are mainly men. Uh, so I didn't get intimidated, but 
I see this pattern in chess and in computer science too. You go to a tournament and you see only boys. The girls get discouraged. Get, get, most of the girls, they don't play. And they, they don't start playing at your own age. It's really hard that you will get a master. Right? So these titles give them at least a platform that you're achieving something. That you can you can earn some prizes, you can get some scholarships, you can you know. So it recognized some efforts mm-hmm. uh, with no idea that women are less intelligent than men, which I think is the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it. Yeah. So 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 I think that that was that was a, that was a main. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, I, this has been a fantastic conversation. We've covered everything from, you know, breaking out of, of uh, you know, uh, I was say, you know, with no opportunities, chess bringing you through, scholarships. We've talked about Colombian politics. We've talked about equal rights and sports. And we've talked about, I, listen, let me just say uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share a little bit of your story. It's been a it's been an upbeat story, of course, with a message behind it, and we know that the system in Colombia is not set up to be inclusive. Uh, but well, I guess the message at the end is everybody get out there and vote next year, register to vote, please. I think at the end, so Nadia Ortiz, thank you so much for your time. No, it was a pleasure, and you know, also the message should be for people like us that we, you know, we have a privilege, we have a privilege to help. We need to start sharing the pie, start uh, giving, you know, access to voice or help, mentorship. I think all that make a change. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a pleasure to be here. I really, I when you uh, text me, I, I was very impressed with all this podcast. I actually listened to the one to Isabella Suleta, I believe. Oh, yeah, Isa. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been wonderful. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you. And uh you know, as you say, please vote next year. And it was a pleasure to be here. No, Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. We've been talking to well, Grandmaster uh, Nadia Ortiz, the first woman Grandmaster from Colombia. Uh, and she's in San Francisco working for Apple. So from Strato One in Ibagué to San Francisco. And I mean, and a major story, but she's sending a message out there to all of you. Register, because I know a lot of you are Colombians living overseas. Register to vote. Doesn't matter for whom, just vote, you know. Exactly. So thank you again for your time, Nadia. Have a great rest of the week and I wish you all the best in whatever your next projects are, because I'm sure there are many. Uh, And uh, well, we'll sign off on this episode 404 of the Columbia Calling podcast. Uh, You can support us, of course, on Patreon and on Ko-fi.com. You can find uh, ways of uh, making the Columbia Calling podcast economically viable. But thank you again for everyone who's listening. We'll be back next week with more Columbia related information and bye bye When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.